Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt from Rolling Stone, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. I have with me Andy Green from Rolling Stone. Why, hi there, Brian. How you doing? I am pretty good. So today we're going to play uh, some of Andy's recent interview with Tom Petty. What was Tom Petty calling you about this time, Andy? He was calling about his upcoming tour for their 40th anniversary, even though it's their 41st anniversary <laughs> next year. Uh, they're going a huge tour for it. It's, it's his longest tour in a very long time. So it's the 40th anniversary of what precisely? Of the first album coming out, which came out in late 76. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, apparently Tom is, when I mentioned a big anniversary of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young to Neil Young, he was like withering in his sarcasm. But Tom, Tom respects an anniversary. Tom appreciates yeah, the power he's, of he's a big deal. They did a huge tour in 06 on the, on the 30th and probably they would have this year, but the Mud Crutch tour happened. So that kind of occupied his year this year. Yeah. And Mud Crutch, for those who don't know is... Uh, they're his first band that had no albums, no success, no nothing. <laughs> they broke up in 1974 or 5, and then he reformed them in 2008, which is a crazy move. It would be like Springsteen doing like a steel mill tour or something, which yeah. was his first band that went nowhere. Yeah, or, or what's the Billy Joel one? That's the Hassles. <laughs> yeah, it would be, be like a Billy Joel and the Hassles tour. Yeah. I mean, it, it's admirable because uh, Tom isn't obviously isn't just uh, looking for money here when he reunites Mudcrutch and does a Mudcrutch tour. In fact, I would imagine anyone on the on his business side is like, maybe don't do yeah, a Mudcrutch tour. Maybe I do imagine a, yeah. they were horrified, but for the guys in the band who weren't in the Heartbreakers, because there are two members of Mudcrutch and the Heartbreakers, for the two non-Heartbreakers dudes, it's the most shocking and most amazing thing that's ever happened to them. Yeah, they get to travel in private jets and stay in first-class yeah, hotels and experience dream. life as an actual rock star. Yeah, it's cool, right? Yeah, it's, it's our second chance. And one of the things you talk about with Tom in this interview is this idea of the the Wildflowers box set, which looms large. What is yeah, the deal with the Wildflowers box set? It's become the Chinese democracy of box sets. And for over a decade now, Tom's been talking about this Wildflowers box set because the album was first conceived as a double record. And then it was released as a single record, and he said that he wants to put it out as a big box set with the whole thing. Then he told me in June that next year his plan was to take it on tour and play both albums in concert. So I, I sort of start the interview. I was very curious about that. I was because <laughs> he just told me a few months ago that that was next year's plan. Right. I guess maybe they were thinking Mug Crutch followed by a sort of somewhat niche tour, maybe not the way to go. Right. Um, but okay, let's hear let's hear the first part of Andy Green and Tom Petty. So I spoke to you in June, and you were thinking about a Wildflowers tour for next year. So then, what changed? Um. What changed? The the 40th anniversary kind of got in the way of that. All right. Um, I'm still going to do it. Um, uh, but for the 40th, I, I looked out, they had booked the tour, and they had booked all big places. Mm -hmm. And um, the Wildflowers tour will have to be in smaller places. Right because it's just a lot of it is quiet you know um, mm -hmm. if you look at the whole program of, of both LPs together a lot of it is acoustic so I don't want to do that in arenas right but uh, and then the anniversary thing I, I think you know it would be wrong to focus on one album for that tour so right I, but I'm still going to do it 
I guess still going to get the album out. And to play arenas when the whole second album is songs that no one really knows at this point would be a real challenge also. It would. Yeah. And I'm not even worried about the challenge. I'm just worried about the sound and the intimacy, you know, and the value of the experience, you know. I I think you'll walk out feeling much more fulfilled if it's a little more intimate. Right. Uh, so the Wildflowers box set is that push is that is that pushed back yet again now because of this tour? Yes, because of the tour. <laughs> All right, too late in the year, do you think, or next, or to 2018, or do you even know? You know, I started talking about this the other day, yeah. and 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 got a really loud shut up <laughs> in the entire room. You know, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because every time I bring it up, it it hits the wall somehow. Uh, we're done in August okay. with this tour. So could I go back in, get that together, and play before the end of the year? Mm-hmm. It's not out of the question. Right. You know, I, I wouldn't promise it yet. Mm-hmm. But it's not out of the question that I play a few of the shows at the end of the year and carry on the next year. Cool. And so what are your thoughts now on what these 40th anniversary shows are going to be like? Well, I don't really have a lot of thoughts because I haven't had a rehearsal yet. You know, I haven't got together with everybody. Uh, I think, you know, it should probably, I mean, I'm talking, I'm really talking off the top of my head here. Mm -hmm. uh, But you probably want to represent something from all the albums, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, but I kind of like the vibe. The vibe to me would be good if we came at it kind of like you know if you saw those shows um, we did in New York at um, that theater at the, at the Beacon. Yeah, I I, beacon. I saw two of those. Yeah, they were great. If if we can kind of take that attitude and uh, apply it. You know, to um, to apply it to the idea that hey, we want to represent all the stuff, and we want to give everybody plenty of their popular songs, but we want to give the longtime fans some really deep stuff, and you know, and we can change the show as much as we want right. night to night, but because uh, there, you know, we would we would change the show a great deal night to night mm-hmm. and uh that convinced me that it can be done right but therein again we were in a real intimate setting mm-hmm. so that's what i hope for yeah you know is is a big uh a big sort of potpourri of the of all of it in lots of different ways yeah i guess- and Make it fun. Make it celebratory. Yeah, I guess you have a problem that most artists would love to have is that you have too many hits. That yeah. if you that you could easily do two hours of just hits, but then the, the then the casual we fans could do are bummed four, out. Honestly, right? Honestly, yeah, we we it can't be done in one night. Yeah, right. And uh, that is an unusual problem, isn't it? I mean, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just glad to be here, really. But right. I'm, I'm going to work that out. But it is a, a constant um, 
thing that I struggle with with the shows is, mm-hmm. is what do we play, you know? Right. Are there any must-plays? Do you think every night we'll have American Girl and Free Falling and Last Dance with Mary Jane, or there's nothing as sacred for this tour? We could just mix it up if you feel. If I was a fan and they didn't play American Girl, I'd be let down. Right. Uh, no Free Falling, I think I'd be let down. Mm-hmm. But... You know, I don't know. I mean, I, somebody's probably got a song like that for everybody, you know. Right. And I forever get, why didn't you play this one or that one? And there's just, it's not possible. Right, yeah. Uh, are you thinking about that battle going to Europe on this tour? Or is it just going to be America, are you thinking? Um, I'm pretty sure we're going over to play Hyde Park oh, wow. in London. Mm-hmm. And uh, the middle of this tour, uh-huh. we're kind of going to cut out and go to England for a few days. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we come back, like I say, it would be after this run across America, which is breaking all heartbreaker rules. You know, we had ruled this out, and here we are doing it again. You know, uh, it's a long tour. I just want to see how we feel at the end. If we feel like, all right, I want to play some more, we'll go to Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, After the wildflowers. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is becoming like the Chinese democracy of the Tom Petty world, this mythical it wildflowers is, thing. That, yeah. It is. Um, you hinted in the letter to the fans that maybe, maybe, maybe this might be the last big one, sort of. Are you thinking that at all? Yeah. I would be dishonest to say I wasn't thinking that a little bit. Uh, I'm not thinking it's the last time we're going to play. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking it may be the last trip around the country. I don't know, though. I could be completely wrong, you know. I, I just don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they all want to play, it's very likely we'll keep playing, but will we take on, uh, you know, 50 shows right. and one tour? I, I don't think so. I doubt it. I mean, we're we're on the backside of 60s now, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I think what it is is, you know, the guys in the band, I mean, we've never really got to have a home life for long. You know, mm-hmm. um, that other people get, you know, and I'm a little envious of it in a way. Uh, but um, then on the other hand, you know, I've been on this long break. I mean, they they all stay busy doing stuff. And I I guess I did mud crutch, but that, I get really bored if I'm not working. You right. Know? So I like to have a project. Uh-huh. And I don't, I don't want to start that, that wildfire fire of, wow, this is it, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's on our mind, but it could be. It could be every time we go. I just don't know. You know, nobody knows. Yeah, you told Neil Strauss in 06 that that tour was, 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 would be likely the last all-out tour. Yeah, and I think it was for a long time. Right. Yeah. But uh, because we just started playing hitting hit and run kind of stuff mm-hmm. 
which I enjoy, you know, like, okay, let's just let's, let's go do that and come back, you know, but um, I don't know, you know, I grew up playing long tours, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've done that more in my life than I haven't, and uh, it's, it's a, I feel right at home there. Yeah. Which is which is kind of sick, but <laughs> you know, as soon as I sit down on the plane, I'm I'm as at home as anywhere I get, you know. Huh. So you know, in I, I don't know. Maybe I keep doing it. I don't know. In, I'm I'm in great health, knock wood and yeah, in, uh, in comparison in comparison to Pete Townsend and Bob Dylan and a bunch of those guys you're pretty young. Well, thank God for those guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I'd look really old without them. Right. I, I, uh, thank God for the Rolling Stones, you know. I, yeah. They've always been our, our, you know, beacon to follow. <laughs> right. And so they're... like look, they're they're still doing this, you know, and and I think it it's reaffirmed to a lot of people that you know, you can keep you you can keep going. When I started this, there there weren't any rock and roll stars that were forty. Right. At yeah. all. Yeah. You know? I mean you had Chuck Berry and Little Richard and Jerry Lee were in their 30s, and we thought, wow, you know, imagine getting that far. (laughs) You know, so who knows? And I think of how old Elvis seemed when he died, and he was 42. Right. I mean, it's astounding almost. Well, it's true. You know, I mean, the Stones took a lot of shit for playing in their 40s. Right, yeah. They were made fun of just endlessly for being old. So, And uh, that's just not true anymore, you know. So you, you, but on the flip side, I could see in 10 years on a 50th anniversary tour, do you just not see that in the, in the cards at 76? I don't see it, you know. Yeah. Uh, maybe somebody does. Uh-huh. I don't see it. Uh I don't know. It's just, it just seems like we should find something to do. <laughs> <laughs> but you say you get bored, so when you get bored, yeah. if you're on a, I do. A tour? I get bored, and um, I need something to do, or I, I tend to, you know, just be a nuisance. And I, uh, but you know, I have a granddaughter now that I like to see as much as I can, and I. I don't want to spend my life out there on the road. I mean, this tour will take me away for about four months. Right. So, uh, with a little kid, that's a lot of time. Yeah, it's true. You know, and there's there's one thing that I love about the band is it's basically the same guys from day one. There's almost no band. Oh, yeah. They, you can say that. I look at the stage. There's... Ron and Ben and Mike. It's I mean, four of the five. Right, which is a very, uh, that, that's a good number for 40 years. Yeah. And, and that was always our plan is, you know, we're going to keep these people together and see what we can get out of it rather than try to, you know, pick the greatest people every time, you know, mm-hmm. and build a new band. Yeah. And just think of the odds that in a random town in Florida you'd find these guys that are at the level of musicianship that they have 
it's pretty astounding. You think about it. Just, it is astounding because, I mean, a lot of music came out of Gainesville in those days. I mean, sure. there's even a book about it now. You know that I saw the other day. I couldn't believe. Uh, and the the level of playing was real high. Like there were a lot of good players. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Bernie Ledden and Don Felder. They were probably, you know, the first really noticeable dudes in town, and they really had a high bar as to how they could play. Right. And if we wanted to hang with them, we had to, you know, get up to that bar. Uh-huh. And so once filled your times in your days after, after the Mud Crutch tour, I mean, I, I hear you a lot on Tom Petty Radio. I presume that that, 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 that takes up a, a lot of time, right? You're... Yeah, I, I've been really putting a lot of time into the station. I want to just have the best radio station in the world there, you know, the best rock and roll station. Mm-hmm. And I think we're breaking some ground with what we're doing there. I don't know that anybody's done this before. No. And um, it's very exciting. So, you know, I'm just in hog heaven with the radio thing, you know. I, I've... Uh, I've got my Tom Talks to Cool People show where um, I've started interviewing guests, you know, and uh, and I have Andrew Oldham coming over to record this Saturday, you know, and wow. I'm, I'm so excited, you know. But that's a ball, and the buried treasure thing is real, you know, it's in its 11th year wow. and has a lot of fans, and uh, it's just all good, you know, it's... Everything's pretty positive. I love when Tom Petty says he's excited and he sounds like the least excited person on the planet. That's the best part. Andy, in this upcoming segment, I think you spend, you're talking about uh, Tom Petty's tour mm-hmm. that's for next year, and you spend a lot of time bugging him to play rare songs, which is sort of like your MO, right? I mean, ha- yeah. how, what percentage of, <laughs> of your interviews with uh, beloved older artists do you spend encouraging them to play B-sides that they'll never play? It's a very decent chunk at this point, because yeah. I see a lot of these guys in concert, and I'm sick of the same songs. But with Petty, he, he has a real challenge, because if you polled the audience at his show, you know, he plays huge arenas to 20,000 people, and most of those people probably just know the hits. Right. So if he starts playing all all this rare shit, there most people will be upset and bored, and they won't come <laughs> back next time. Yeah. But to the small part of the hardcores, they've heard Free Falling 50,000 times. These acts are can be risk averse. I think you and I were yeah. both trying to get the Who to play Slip Kid, and they finally, they finally did it. Did. But that took years of me personally <laughs> begging Roger Daltrey. Do, do you think you did it? I think it's possible. <laughs> I brought up Slip Kid so many freaking times. I did as well. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes. Yeah, so. And they find I finally saw them do it. They did a quick one on the last tour, but then they dropped them both. Right. It's. It's very hard because there's so much gratification for playing the hits. Right. And the other thing is you have to work hard and learn the song you've already forgotten. And then the crowd is like, eh? So it's tough. And it's a huge business. And if you burn the fans once, then you're like Neil Young and people don't want to come back when they get burned. Sometimes you even play the hits and you'll hear people coming out of the concert being like, they didn't play any hits. You're like, but it was like 95% hit. I I can't tell you how many times I've heard that from a classic rock uh, crowd. I think Tom Petty, a bit more than others, he's not, I don't want to 
say that he's a singles artist, but his hits collection sold so many they records. They loom large, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. really loom large. Besides Damn the Torpedoes and Wildflowers, it's it's not like he has like a Born to Run type album. Though I guess Damn the Torpedoes kind of is, but yeah, it is, he has but so many radio hits. Yeah, very it's true. It's just different. All right, so let's play some more of Andy Green chatting with Tom Petty. Are you looking forward to the tour? Do you get do you get excited when you think about about the first show and and walking on stage, or how do you feel about it coming up? Well, I'm aware of it. You know, <laughs> I'm uh, <laughs> trying to get everything out of the way that I've got to get out of the way. You know, so I can make that kind of commitment. And because um, once you're into that, you're in it. You know, right. after the from the first day of rehearsal they just tag you you know like you're you're number four or five or what you know you're in the system someone will call you every day and pick you up you're in the system you know right. so and you won't get out of it until the war's over and uh so i'm just running around i got a lot of things to take care of i'm going to produce um an album with Chris Hillman. Oh wow! In January. Very cool. And uh, and then I'm free. I think then I'm done. So do you know when rehearsals start? Is there like a month or week scheduled to start rehearsals? I think I haven't seen the exact date, but um, I think they're in March. Oh. Um. But I'm not. We we've got this um, music care show coming up. Oh, right in February. Yeah. Which is uh, that's also kind of a big commitment. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to have to rehearse for that too, because um, I don't know how long we're going to play on that. But I want to do some things we we don't normally do. And uh, and we're going to back up a couple other artists too. Oh wow! So we've got to rehearse all that. That's going to be quite a show. I mean, the the list is unbelievable of people playing. Yeah. Are, are you amazed that you're still able to play stadiums? I mean, there's very few. There's very few people who can play Wrigley Field these days. It's a handful. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm amazed by that. I am totally amazed. And how do you explain that? I don't know. Uh, I hope it's quality. I think it is. <laughs> I hope it's just, you know, I've always tried to make the product worth the money. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully more than the money. So i that's all I can figure yeah. I don't really look that in the face too much. It's too scary. But I, uh, when I think about it, it amazes me just like anyone else. Uh, yeah. I really love it. I mean, I'm not going to... I certainly can't complain about it. But has someone done that before? I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I was thinking about the other day, like, well, who else did this? And I couldn't come up with anybody. What, uh, who play stadiums after all these years or what? For 40 years. Yeah, it's like you and like Paul McCartney. It's in a field like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I guess I bet James Taylor is still doing that a bit, but uh, it's few people. 
Um, are you working on a new album of any sort? Are you writing new songs for the Heartbreakers? Is that even no, there? not no. right now. No, been too busy. Um, but, you know, we'll get around to that again when we can. But mm -hmm. I'm not in a hurry to make an album right now. All right. Well, um, your last one was your first number one, so there's definitely an audience for it. Hey, we're still kicking ass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I love that, you know, we're not an oldies, you know? No. Our last record was number one. Yeah. We're still uh, contemporary, too. Are, are so you, are you I'm not going to give in to that. Are you thinking about Mud Crutch 3 at some point? I don't know, you know, Mud Crutch, I don't know. I, uh, what am I thinking about? You know, I'd just like to, if if we get another Heartbreakers record that's really good done, I would be really happy, you know. Those are, those are always huge undertakings, and they really take a lot out of me, but if we could find the music, then that would make me happy. Mm -hmm. And I also want to do some more work with the Shelters, this young band sure. that... Uh, they're doing great out there on the road and um, people love it and uh, I want to do their next record whenever they decide to come off the road. Hi, but you're done making solo records, I've heard you say. Do you still feel yeah, that way? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, need, I need them around. Right. Huh. Uh, and my standard question I always ask, is there any chance you're going to play Room at, at the Top, or is it still not something that you're comfortable with? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I don't even make a note of that. Uh, yeah, I heard that on the radio one day, Yeah. and I, I hadn't had the nerve to listen to that all the way through in a long time, you know, and uh, and I thought it, it wasn't a bad song, you know, and uh, I thought that could I can see how that could be done. Wow. Yeah, I can see how it could be done. Whether we do it or not, I don't know. But I can see trying it. Huh. So the emotion of it is no longer as raw as it was at the time when you kind of ruled it out. No, it's, that's over 20 years ago. Right. Now, so I've, I've, I've healed up a lot from that, so I can face it all. Huh. Uh... Uh, and it's all about is it a good song, you know? Right. And I think it's a good song, and and I think I could do it. Uh, and the, the song Southern Accents, I've always loved so much, and that one verse you did in 06 was so magical. I would love, to, is there any chance you'll, you'll play that again? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, we, we played that, when did we in last play? Gainesville in 06, I think. Right, yeah. And that was unrehearsed. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and we hadn't planned to play it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just threw it on in there all of a sudden. And it just kind of all took a deep breath when the bridge came. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like thinking, how the hell does this go, you know? But we made it. We made it. There's something magic about those performances where you're not really sure of the chords and you land on the right ones. Right. And... It does something special, but yeah, it worked that night. 
I, I, I might try that again sometime. Sure. So the, you know? the tour ends on July 20th. I might try any of them. I mean, okay. I don't know, you know? It's like, how much time do you have, you know, right. to... It, it, it would take months to explore all of them. Yeah. All right, we well, played, in the last rehearsal one night, we played You're Gonna Get It, you know, the song. Wow. And it sounded so good, you know, that I was like, really wanted to get that into the show, but we never even got back to playing it again. Hmm. So, you know, I, uh, maybe we'll play that. <laughs> uh, my, my last song I want to bring up, I just love Crawling Back to You. I think that's one of your best ever. I'd love to hear that, too. But, yeah, yeah, well, that'd be in the Wildflower show. Right. <laughs> yeah, of course, which is going to happen. Uh, I have faith in you. I would, that's but we've played that from time to yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so just to wrap up here, the tour ends officially on the dates I see here on July 27th at Forest Hills Tennis Stadium. Or is, is, is that for a reason, or, or, or is this random that you're going to wind up? That's not the end. That's okay. not the end. I think they have a whole other leg that behind that that goes through California and uh, okay. uh, the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Nice, and then I there's... think that's just the Midwest and East Coast, right? So it actually picks up again. Then there's Hyde Park too. Do you ever think about doing Australia and like the rest of the world? Just your... Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're constantly besieged with offers to go everywhere. Mm-hmm. But and if we did everything we people wanted us to do, we'd be dead. You know, right? It's yeah. I'd love to go there. I'd love to play Japan one more time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of things. I'd like to, you know, do... Um, I'd like to do a whole tour of England, which we haven't done in, in Coon's Age, you know. Right. Uh, and Europe. I guess we did Europe five or six years ago, but I, I still want to do it. Right. But, it, you know, we're... We're running on empty here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I know uh, that's not a good quote. Don't print that. Okay. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we're we're trying to do everything, and but we're really aware that time is finite. Right. It's not like when we were in our twenties or thirties, and you know, the world just stretched out in front of you. You could have done. You know, just going on and on and on, and we did. Mm-hmm. So now we're gonna we're gonna take it in stages and say, "How do you feel?" You know, if we get near the end of this tour, we'll say, "What do you feel like doing?" And if so, we'll we'll figure out, you know, where to go next. Mm-hmm. Great. Oh, well, I think that's and that'll keep us out of the studio. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the record company will be upset, and, and I don't think they'll be upset, but they'll be, you know, they have their interest in this too. Right? Do you you owe them more records, or is your you? Yes. Oh well, that's something you got to deal with at some point, right? Yeah, they, they've been really. They're so good to me. I mean, they are the best people in the world over there at, at Warner's. But I. You know, I have a contract where I owe them a record every couple of years or something like right. that, and, and I always go over, and they always indulge me, but right. But yeah. then I'll bring them over and play them 
what I'm working on so they know I'm not just, you know, doing nothing. Right. And usually if I if they're in on what I'm doing, they're understanding about what's left to do. Huh. Are you thinking about playing theaters at, at some point, like you did in 2013? Well, I'm thinking about doing that in arenas, actually, but um, that sort of show. But right. I, uh, yeah, I would do that. I would do it in a in a hit and run situation, like we did. Right. That time we did New York and Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if we were to try to take that everywhere, I don't know if we wouldn't lose money. Right, yeah. You know, it's just that way now. It's it's really expensive. Mm-hmm. So uh, the overhead of moving around all these people right. is crazy. Mm-hmm. I got a room at the top of the world tonight. We just heard a bunch of uh, Andy's little chat with Tom Petty, uh, which included so much begging, so much begging. Yeah, I got really pathetic there at the end. It's just (laughs) my goal in life is to hear him sing Room at at the Top, a song he hasn't done in a long time. That's your goal in life. Yeah, that's my entire goal in life. I have no other goals besides to hear Tom Petty play Room at the Top live in concert. That is a worthwhile goal. I, Thank I think you, you're Brian. spending your life in a, I'm in very a proud of that, wonderful yes. fashion. Yes. Thank you. Um, and, and do you think he's ever going to play it? He told me he might. He told me that he heard it on Petty Radio. <laughs> and yeah, well, I, I mean, thinking, yeah. where else would you hear it? But yes, yeah. right, yeah. And I think enough time has passed. It was, such a, it was a very difficult time for him and the band, and the song is so sad. Yeah. But I think Echo is his best album, which I know is an unpopular take, but... It's great, and he never touches it. Yeah, because it's an upsetting time for him. And, and that's what actually what we forget is often artists have their own associations with albums or with songs, and, and that's why they don't play them. That's why they don't touch them. Right, and for him, it was his bassist, Howie Epstein, was extremely sick, was a, was a heroin addict, and he died soon afterwards. Tom himself was just coming off his own heroin period. He was going through a bad divorce. It's his butt on the tracks album, but almost more raw. You know, than even that. Yeah, it's an interesting. One of the things that's interesting is is when um, you have veteran acts, and there's always the moment when they're flying high, still having songs on the radio, yeah, and then there's that, a, there's that moment when it ends, and it's never clear. Yeah, which is Echo, because Petty had an amazing '90s. Yeah, there's almost no '70s artist besides Neil Young that had a better '90s or Aerosmith. Yeah, he, he had. Big radio hits. And, and MTV. He was on MTV. MTV. He did Last Dance with Mary Jane. Like That was against his will to, to fulfill a deal to his label and becomes this crazy bestseller that even kids liked. Um, and then he then he had Wildflowers, which was huge. Yeah. It's, it, it is this weird thing. There was there was a much more of an openness to have like old guys serving up yeah. some of your pop music. Yeah, I was in the sixth grade and, and <laughs> all the kids were digging Aerosmith and like Get a Grip was the coolest album. And it was these dudes in their mid-40s from the 70s. And <laughs> Tom Petty's Grey's Hits was huge. And like Neil Young, I guess Harvest Moon, that, I guess 
I guess that I wasn't big with kids, but but he was cool because he played on the VMAs and everything. He was cool with Pearl Jam. I guess maybe it started when like John Fogarty had hits in the eighties and was on MTV. Like, well, like there was this weird thing of- in the mid eighties at that point, like with Phil Collins and Rod Stewart and Steve Winwood. It was in the mid eighties. You could be like a pasty face, like ugly white dude in your mid forties, <laughs> and have just enormous hits. Like Steve Winwood had like number one hits for months at a time. <laughs> Yeah, it's this weird thing where it just hadn't been so. It at the same time, it, you know, you could argue that these people were were blocking spots that should have gone to young people at the time, and that's probably true. But it, it is interesting how you know it was it was it wasn't so monolithically yeah, youthquakey, well, right? Well, and we think back upon the eighties now. You often talk about Pixies and Pavement and Sonic Youth, but if you actually turn on the radio back then, you'd hear Steve Winwood's Higher Love. Like that's what was playing, right? And, and this, while all sorts of early hip hop was going on and stuff, yeah. but instead, <laughs> higher love. Yeah, like, that's the. It, I, I mean, I think actually, I mean, you know, there's an argument to be made that actually top forty radio has actually gotten substantially better in some ways because it, it's more connected to like sort of the 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 actual core of pop culture right. rather than some like middle aged guy's idea of it. Maybe. Right, but it's gotten more narrow. I would argue in recent years what their definition of what they even play on top forty radio you were, is. You know, where's where's the Eric Clapton <laughs> singing like the, it's in the way that you use it on top forty radio? That wasn't really a top forty hit, was it? I was. I think Clapton did really big hits in the mid eighties. Yeah. yeah, it's in the way that you use it. He had Forever Man. It was like this thing where, where it was just inflicted upon teenagers, like super boring middle-aged music was like well, inflicted upon and teenagers. there was VH1 back then. Yes. And even, you know, and they were just videos and it was for older people. And <laughs> Petty in the late 80s was kind of struggling. After you, after Southern Accents with I Either Know How It Feels, not I Either Know It Feels, with um, with, with, with Don't Come Run Here No More. Right, he, he had a few. Not my favorite years. song, actually. Yeah, well, it was Dave Stewart and a Drum Machine, and the band hated it. Yeah, but it was this huge, huge hit. And then in '88, he had an album that totally bombed, or '87, one of the two. And then the big comeback with Full Moon Fever. Full Moon Fever, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we, we were arguing the other day over how much uh, Jeff Lynne, how much credit Jeff Lynne deserves for Full Moon Fever. He deserves a lot, and the songs <laughs> are Petty slash Lynne. That's no. Small that is fair. Thing. That is fair. I think it came down specifically to Free Fallen, and I, I I believe that you cannot credit Jeff Lynne with the melody of Free Fallen. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I but, was wrong to say melody in our okay. off-air conversation, but <laughs> I will say that he that that with no Jeff Lynne, that there's no Full Moon Fever, no big comeback. That queued that queued up the entire '90s for Tom Petty. That one album. But to go back, I mean, the thing yeah. is, so these guys they they hit the point when they're off the radio. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's like. You know, they don't like die. They like they don't quit. They just have to keep going. And then it's like, so what do you do with oneself? Like, what do you do? Yeah, well, you can either really embrace the past and just become a sheer oldies machine. You can be Billy Joel and just stop making albums. Yeah, and become a touring machine and make a fortune. Or you could be like Neil Young and just don't give a shit. Plow forward, do two albums a year. Yeah, and I think Petty is a nice middle ground. Yeah, that he makes an album every four years or so. And they're totally solid. And then he tours and plays two songs off of it. <laughs> it's so or it is. It, it's also a weird thing where it's like a Tom Petty releases an album, and there probably are many people out there who are like Tom Petty fans who like basically probably don't know he's released an album since the year two thousand. Right. But strangely, the last album was his first number one album b- because the charts are so dead these days. 
that if you have your hardcore fans, they have to go out and buy it in the first week, it goes to number one. Right. You know, I, I once went to Tom Petty's house. Did you know that, Andy? You did know that. I did indeed know that. Yes, I went to Tom Petty's house. It was just for it was for the album Mojo, which was like his sort of uh, Zeppelin-y... His blues uh, album. His blues, blues rock album, which, by the way, in his mind is not Zeppelin-y. It's Jeff Beck groupie. He, he hates Zeppelin. But to me, you know, for, for, to the, to the uh, slightly younger ear, it just sounds like Zeppelin. But yes. Anyway, so... But I went there, and, and you know, it was, it was cool. It, it was... Uh, I was told... <laughs> Do not arrive early, which is very yeah. tricky when someone lives on basically a cliff in Malibu because there's no place to like, there's no like convenience store to hang out in. So you have to just kind of like time it really perfectly, drive up and right. it's like drive at, you know, the, this is a, a unique occupational ha- hazard of driving to like Rockstar's houses in, in Malibu. You've done this. It's like yeah. always a tricky, and scary driveway. If, if you drive slowly trying to kill time, then you get really weird stares from people. Yeah, that's bad too. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's, it's, it's incredibly awkward. Then your GPS is just... Just melting down, and there's these narrow mountain roads. It's yeah. So anyway, but but eventually I, I arrived uh, uh, at at Tom Petty's house, and I, and I will say this: I had been with uh, the band Spoon uh, a couple months before, and we were in a, a music store in, in like Austin, Texas, and they had a really cool a uh, baritone. Dan Electro guitar, which is like a, a guitar tuned halfway, basically between a regular guitar and a bass. Really neat, but like totally like very little use for that. And they're like, man, I wonder who like has that. And then the first thing I see, I go to Tom Petty's house is that guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Tom had this just very chill, beautiful house, like and a studio there. And it just seemed like, you know, it, it, he, he really was like uh, king of the hills. And, you know, it just just chilling there and it's just amazing that he ever leaves and goes on tour yeah. but as he told you he, he wants to go on tour yeah but it's a very nice existence he has he basically every couple of years spends like four months touring and the rest of it he just gets to chill he goes to lakers games <laughs> he works on his radio show um he's just mr la so the wildflowers thing let's talk about yeah. that a little bit so what was the deal it was supposed to be a double album yes it was his second solo album it was produced by rick rubin and they spent three years on it it was just this endless slog and they had all these songs and it was envisioned as a double album but he was talked into doing it as a single album it had three big hits it had you wreck me it had you know how it feels to be me it had it's good to be king and it sold a ton. It's a I beloved. think that's the reference I was looking for. I went to King of the Hill because that's the other thing. Right. But yeah, yeah, it's good to be king. I, I think that's where well, my brain was, wanted to go. And yeah, he was a anyway. voice on King of the Hill. Of course. Well, that's why that's my my, my yes. brain. He he played the amazing character Lucky on, yes. on King of the Hill. Yes, hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so it was released as a, as a single record. A few of the songs appeared on the She's the One soundtrack. Right, love which, it. Is, which by the way, I I think yeah, I think um, uh, walls might Brilliant. be this is might be the single greatest Tom Petty song. It's great. That is a um, you've got a heart so yeah. big you can crush this town. I love yeah. that song. But, love it. But he told me that he was a bit disappointed by the soundtrack because he was forced to do different versions of the songs to sort of work well right. in, in the movie, and he 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 sees it as a very compromised thing. Right, um, and there's all these songs that sort are, of his uh, who's next or something. Right, so, yeah. <laughs> he never got to be the life house it wanted to be. So what he wants to do is a Wildflowers box set, both albums, finally do the whole thing, and then bring it on tour. Right, but the problem is that we're talking about like twenty some songs, three are famous, and 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 they appear very early on the first disc. So to play a basketball arena with so many unfamiliar songs that are acoustic based 
would be an absolute disaster. Right. So what he wants to do is do hopefully do a theater tour of Wildflowers following this anniversary tour. I think it was just occurred to me that maybe Tom Petty is due for like a period of being really cool. Like, you know, like maybe like kids who love Fleetwood Mac Mm -hmm. (laughs) could somehow like decide Tom Petty was really cool somehow. Yeah, (laughs) I guess he lacks the sort of romantic... Like yeah, drama. He has that, spent time with Stevie Nicks, though. Yeah, yeah. Stevie, they, Stevie. They're extremely close. She has to join the band once. Yes. Uh, and and she, when I was at Stevie Nicks' house, I, yeah. I go to people's houses. Uh, when when I was at Stevie Nicks' house, she showed me. I forgot what it was. It was like a sheriff's badge that indicated mer- uh, membership in the uh, Heartbreakers. Yeah, yeah. And she went on tour with them in '06 and was there for a lot, a lot, a lot of shows. She was doing background vocals throughout half the night. I mean, she. Loves the heartbreaker. They should do an album together. Now that would be, that would be smart. They, if they do it a full album together and then tour together, that would actually get a lot of attention. If I was like their somehow their combined A and R guy, I would suggest that. Now that is a good idea. Yeah, that would be great. It would further piss off Fleetwood Mac because they're already pretty pissed at Stevie because they're working on an album now that's without her. Well, he ends up being a sort of substitute Lindsay. That's the thing about Tom, in, right? In, in the in but. The, there's a real Lindsay who wants to record with her <laughs> and she's not doing it right I know, now. I know. Yeah. That would know if she really wants to anger them. Uh, that that's actually a pretty great idea. And it would, it would be one of those things that would get way more attention than your usual album. Right, by a cause, veteran artist. Cause their duets back in the day are fantastic. Yeah. Stop taking my heart around and whatnot. That's all right. That's a good idea. We're we're gonna we're gonna make this happen. Let's make this happen. Next yeah. time we talk to Tom, be Betty. like, he'll be like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. No, I will always I will, I will push for live echo songs <laughs> till the day I die with Tom Petty. I cannot imagine a bigger waste of time. But yes, no. I, but Ben Mott told me <laughs> this is Ben Mott Tench, the keyboard star breakers. He told me unprompted that he'd rather go on an echo tour than a Wildflowers tour. Is there something that you call Ben Mont for short? Ben. Ben, okay. <laughs> yeah. Ben Mont is, but that, okay, Benjamin, Ben Mont, ben, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but his People name call him ben. is Ben Mont. He's yeah. the son of a, a, a very distinguished judge from Florida. Huh. And he named him Ben Mont. Is he like the most uh, like sort of upper class He's member of the the Roy uh, Bitten, and he was in college actually yeah. when Mudcrutch was going, and, and they were all just in a dirty band, and he was so good, Tom went to the judge's office and begged him to let Ben Mont quit college to uh, join the band full time. It's interesting that the keyboardist in the 70s bands is likely to be the most educated member perhaps because of the piano lessons denotes a more upper yes, class uh, that's background. that's Professor Roy Bitten from yeah. East Street Bands. One member had been to college and thus professor. <laughs> and Ben Mond is probably the most educated how about how about the how about Elvis Costello's keyboardist Steve? Yeah, I don't know Steve's educational background. Okay, that's too bad. <laughs> but those guys should start a group together and just like play piano at, at right, each other all day. Both Benmont and Roy <laughs> toured with Stevie Nicks in, right. in the early '80s. That's right. So you can watch their. You can go on YouTube and watch them play. And you can watch them play Rhiannon. They do it a bit differently. I've done that, yeah, and it's it ends up sounding a little bit like there's yeah. the Thunder Road Rhiannon, yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. incredible. Well, we have drifted spectacularly, yeah. of course, but we've been talking about uh, Tom Petty, talking about all sorts of stuff, and this has been Rolling Stone Music Now. Please tune in again on Fridays at 1 p.m. to hear us on SiriusXM's Volume 106, and download our podcast at rollingstone.com/podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be seeing you soon.